Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Lacking that father figure in my physical life definitely manifested in my spiritual life in regards to God the Father. So seeing him as protective and seeing him as um, provider. For a long time, I just ran with the track in my head. You know, I got to do it all. Black women do it all because that's what we do. And there's nobody else. And if I don't do it, then it won't get done. Leaning into God that way as provider was very hard for me, very difficult for me And when I first began to walk with God because I didn't know anybody as provider except my mom. And so now that's my role as a woman, as a leader, as a matriarch. I'm the provider. So there definitely was a reconciling um, and a, a surrender that needed to happen with me to receive God in that way as God the Father. It definitely uh, affected my relationship with God. I remember um, praying, like, God, I don't know what a father figure is. God, help me. At the time, I was almost angry about it, like remove the word dad from my vocabulary. To me, I had a negative association with it. Having Justin as a great husband and father opened my eyes to what a good father looks like, a good husband looks like. Um, it was something I did not have many experiences with growing up. So watching him through the way he was with Madison, um, how much greater is God's love for us? And so honestly, early in our marriage, early uh, when Madison was little, I think that's really where my faith developed even more so and just really was hungry to know more about my Heavenly Father and um, all that He has for me and how great His love is. and. Um, just really a sense of wanting to overcome all of those negative memories or experiences that I, I had growing up. Give it up for our two ladies that are sharing this month about their experience. We appreciate Natasha and Amber. It's, a, it's very courageous of you to share your story with us a little bit like that. It's very, very important, very powerful. And so we're gonna get right into the word today. Once again, happy Father's Day to everybody. They're still kind of adjusting my sound. They had to, we had sound people in this week with sound minds and they uh, came in and adjusted everything. So we're having to kind of adjust a little bit on the fly today. And uh, our chief technician is out with sickness today. So <clears throat> anyway, we appreciate all you guys up there, all the, give it up for our techies. You know, nobody ever claps for the camera people. And all the guys up there, all the ladies up there in the, in the, in the crow's nest, we appreciate all of you. And our own Jeff Wood. Jeff Wood is one of the solid rocks of this place. <clears throat> and he hates it when I say anything about him publicly. So give it up a great round of applause for Jeff Wood. <laughs> last year, nobody knows this, but last year when, we were, when, we were, when I was preaching to an empty room and could only reach you online, we had to seat Jeff Wood behind, uh, below the camera so I would keep looking at the camera and I'd talk to Jeff. So I preached to Jeff for like three months last year. Anyway, I wasn't sure if any of the rest of you were listening, but Jeff was listening. So gotta give it up for him. Anyway, uh, let's open our Bibles to 2 Kings 13. I'm gonna weave in our text from Psalm 127 as well. 2 Kings 13 Verse 14 from the message of this. Now Elisha, the end of his age, the end of his life, came down sick. It was the sickness of which he would soon die. And Joash, the king of Israel, paid him a visit. When he saw him, he wept openly, crying, my father, my father, chariot and horsemen of Israel. Elisha told him, go and get a bow and some arrows. The king brought him the bow and arrows. Then he told the king, now put your hand on the bow so he put his hand on the bow. Then Elisha put his hand on the hand of the king. And Elisha said, now open the east window. And when the Bible talks about anything going toward the east, he's talking about a new day rising. 
The sun rises in the east. It's a brand new day. So he says, open the door to the east. A new day is coming prophetically. He opened it and he said, now shoot. And he shot. And Elisha exclaimed, the arrow of God's salvation, the arrow of deliverance from Aram, which is Syria. You will do battle against Aram until there's nothing left of it. Then he says something curious. He said, verse 18, now pick up the other arrows, said Elisha. He picked them up. He said to the king of Israel, now strike the ground. The king struck the ground three times and then quit. The holy man became angry with him. Why didn't you hit the ground five or six times? Then you would beat Aram until he was finished. As it is, you'll defeat him three times only. Then Elisha died and they buried him. Psalm 127 verse four, our text for the month from the Amplified this week says this, as arrows are in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy, blessed, and fortunate is the man whose quiver is filled with them. They will not be put to shame when they speak with their adversaries in gatherings at the city's gate. In other words, they will have influence. You have influence through your seed. Can you say amen? Let's pray together one more time. Heavenly Father, would you come and move in this place? Enlighten us, open us up that we can see the things you want to show us today. And we wish you the greatest happy Father's Day as our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we can all agree that the parenting style of most mothers is a little different than that of fathers. Um, perspective changes as a grandfather. And I say this, this is very general in a general sense because I realize in your family, <clears throat> maybe it's a little bit different chemistry, <clears throat> but I, you know, perspective changes as, a, as now a grandfather of five. Um, I used to throw my kids high into the air, watch them squeal with delight as I caught them. And as a grandfather, it drives me nuts when my son and my, gun, my son-in-law do that. When you're a father, you just, you, you, you know, hey, I'm not going to drop you. But as a grandfather, I'm always standing there ready to help catch. Because I don't, and I don't know why, just the, the perspective change. I know my wife didn't like it, and now I know why. Today, we want and need to celebrate that difference between fathers and mothers. One of the core values of this church the last 31 years is a culture of honor. And we believe in giving honor where honor is due. Ephesians 6, 2 from the message says, honor your father and mother. And that's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, so you will live well and have a long life. So I know about you. I think we need to honor the fathers. I'm so thankful my dad at 82 and a half, is still healthy, strong, vibrant, serving the Lord, and a great influence. I look forward to my phone calls with him, my uh, Sunday nights with my dad. We do FaceTime every Sunday night about nine o'clock. That's my time with my dad, and I, we talk throughout the week a couple times on the phone, but I get to see his face, and it's just exciting to have him in my life, and I want to honor you, Dad, if you're watching you know, there's a lot of pressure these days to remove gender-specific language from everything in public life. Starbucks the other day, I was picking up my drink and there was a sign on the counter that said, ask me about my pronouns. And I thought, no, I'm not gonna do that. As an unashamed, Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christ follower, I stand firmly upon the language of God expressed in and through his holy word. The Lord's prayer that Jesus said to pray is not about our parent or mother earth or the universe. It is directed to a heavenly father. Our God is masculine. If that offends you, you need deliverance. Our God is masculine in the very best sense of the word. No matter what connotation that might have to you, in the very best sense, the world right now acts like masculinity is a crime. Why? 
Because it's not just error, it's a demonic spirit of error. Namely, first name Jez, last name Abel. When Pontius Pilate paraded Jesus before the hostile crowd, he mocked him and stood him before and said, Behold, the man, because he is the Son of God and the Son of Man in one. Thoughts about a father's love. I want to give you a few thoughts. I want to say this. I saw uh, someone was telling me about a funny t-shirt they saw recently. It said, this is not a dad bod. This is a father figure. I thought that was pretty good. I don't know what the father figures have been in your life. But I heard something just this morning in my devotion. This is really unbelievable. Just when it comes to faith life and the influence of a father, in families where the father stayed home, never went to church, and just the wife went and raised the kids in church their whole life, the statistic is only one out of 50 of those children will actually be regular churchgoers. One out of 50, Norman. Is that crazy? That's, a, that's just mind-boggling. However, in homes where the father was a regular churchgoer, regardless of what the mom did or not with church, two-thirds to three-fourths of the kids will grow up and go to church. Two-thirds to three-fourths. So you tell me of the influence of a dad in helping you to know who you are and the way to live. Now you can overcome those things. Thank God many of you have. We are overcomers and conquerors, right? And when you get in covenant relationship, when you get to know Jesus in your heart, you get, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when you have that, now, now I, I would just say this. Sometimes you don't have good spiritual fathers. I hope if you go to church here, you don't feel that way. But what I felt God say to me early in the beginning of this church is to be the father you wish you had spiritually. I'm not talking about my dad. I'm talking about men of God that mentored me that maybe didn't fill the gaps that I needed filled. And so the Lord spoke to my heart early on and said, be the dad, be the spiritual father that you wish you had. And I want to challenge everybody with that. And I want to say that when we're raising our hands and we're giving away prizes and we say, fatherhood, there are some of you that don't have biological children or some of you don't even have adopted children. Some of you haven't married yet. <clears throat> but I want to say this to you. You have a spiritual fatherhood in all the influences you have in your life and how you conduct yourself. Nobody can tell me that Lindsay Seals isn't a great spiritual father because he's one of the fathers of this house. Amen? And so we give you the prize. We're not sending you to a restaurant. Maybe we'll send you to Tony's restaurant. Since he's going to the other restaurant, we're gonna send Pastor Lindsay to Tony's, if you don't know where that is, it's not Tony's Sushi, that's not Tony's. He's got a, a diner, uh, it's called Pop's Country Kitchen, right out on 40, going east uh, past Silver Springs, right out there in Lynn, and I'll just do a little commercial for Tony right there. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> Tony's clapping his hands right there. Anyway, he opened a restaurant during COVID, can you imagine? So please go find Pop at the country kitchen. I want to give you five thoughts about a father's love today on this Father's Day. Number one, a father's love provides protection, as both the ladies mentioned, provides protection and secures identity. If ever we needed identity in our world today, a strong identity in godliness, in goodness, in common sense, 
if ever we needed this protection and a source of security, it's today. A father's love puts that steel, that identity, he anchors by affirmation and security. He anchors you to the strength of who you're supposed to be. You know, the basic human needs of men and women are different. Men more need the affirmation. Women need more security. And when you are constantly in this battle of his needs and her needs, you can get really stuck. Most of the times when I used to do marriage counseling, and I don't do it, we haven't done it in years. We don't, we're not degreed in that, so that's not our forte. So we don't do that necessarily here. But if you need help, by the way, we have some people on the team that can at least help get you steered in the right direction, and we'll pray with you, and we'll give you the scriptures. But as far as therapy, I'm talking about. We used to do, in the early days, you kind of had to do it all. And uh, most of the couples in crisis or in trouble, and and let's face it, you got to be in pretty, most people wait till they're in crisis before they actually ask for help. Okay? I think everybody needs to talk to somebody about stuff and have relationships that you can talk to about your spiritual life. But in the pattern that we saw is in these marriages, these couples that would come, they both would talk about, he's not meeting my needs, and he would say, she's not meeting my needs. And they talked around each other about everything else. The great thing is, if I can get my needs met spiritually, emotionally, mentally, as a man, if I can get my need for affirmation, that that pat on the back, that you're doing good, son, I'm proud of you. If I can get that from my heavenly father, then I can focus on my wife's needs. And if she can get that sense of security, God says, I got you, daughter, I'm gonna, you're, you're gonna be okay. You're not gonna go bankrupt. You're not gonna lose everything. You're not gonna be out on the street. I've got you. Then she can focus, when that's settled, on her husband's needs. And then you don't have that drift that you sometimes have. We are, as we sang a little earlier, we are who he says we are. You are who God says you are more than how you feel. And faith is trusting what God says about you until the feeling comes and settles. Faith is that ongoing relationship that helps build that and steal the resolve. Now, I have a great video here, but I can't play it. Let me tell you why. Our uh, Facebook Live is so cracking down. Pastor Lindsay played a little bit of Jesus Freak a few weeks ago, and they muted our entire service because they played 10 seconds of Jesus Freak. Now, if I sing it, They won't mute it, but they should. (laughs) But there was a video came out on Friday, brand new video by Matthew West. My wife came and showed me it like, she got it like a couple hours just having to spot it online right after it was released. Apparently Matthew West has teenage daughters. So here's what I want you to do. For point one today, I want you to stay till just after the service is over. And as soon as we go off the air at the end, I'm going to play for you a great video called Modest is Hottest. And it is awesome and it's funny and you'll like it, okay? Because fathers provide boundaries. Boundaries are crucial. You don't like boundaries? Better not play sports because they got boundaries all around you. And it's not about, well, you can't, well, I want to run out of bounds. Well, go run out of bounds then, but you're going to be flagged on the play. You're going to be called, you're going to be stopped. No, you can run out of bounds if you want to. The boundaries are not to hurt you. The boundaries are to let you know where you can run. Right? 
You don't fence in your yard to punish your dog. You fence in your yard to protect your dog from wandering in the neighborhood and getting hit by a car, right? Fathers provide boundaries. That's part of protection and security. Number two, a father's love hates outside limitation. In the story of Elisha and Joash, Elijah had, had raised up Elisha as prophet in his place, and now it's time for Elisha to go the way of Elijah, which is why when Joash, the king of Israel, shows up, he says, the chariots and his horsemen, because he knows that's how Elijah went to heaven. So he's expecting that God's going to show up and give Elisha the same ride home. And he makes that statement. He says, my father, my father. I know this, and this is, boy, we give honor to John Evanzini and, and great men of God that have really mentored us over the years. Brother John is, I think, 83 or 84 now. And we still stay in touch with him on a regular basis. Um, I'm so thankful for that. Those mentors, <clears throat> and I know this, as you get older, you're looking to simply download and help the next generation. But you can tell from Elisha, he gets aggravated by some stuff because he hates the limitation. He's about to release a prophetic blessing, a mantle, if you will, like Elijah had done to him when Elisha caught the mantle and asked for a double portion. And as Elijah went home to heaven in a chariot or a whirlwind, the Bible says that Elisha said, my father, my father, my father, my father. Elisha just wants his arrows to launch and fly and hit their target. You know, the Bible has uh, prophetic actions or gestures, prophetic pictures. There are some times where God will have you do something that seems a little silly, but it's simply a prophetic statement of something he wants you to get. He's trying to give you an illustration right there in your own life. Think about Moses when he goes up on the mountain and the Bible says he lifted up the rod of God and as long as his hands were raised and the rod of God was in the air, then Joshua and the children of Israel fighting the battle in the, in the valley were winning. But when his hands got tired, his, his hands came down and they were losing. Why? Because that rod of God was a prophetic gesture of something that was taking place in the spirit and manifesting in the natural. Amen. Same thing happened with Joshua later on where he needs the sun. The promise was you're going to defeat these enemies before the sun goes down and the sun is almost down and we haven't defeated them. So Joshua stands there and the Bible says he stood with his spear toward the sun and said, son, you can't, set, you can't set yet. You can't go down yet because this day isn't over. And he makes that prophetic gesture and stands and the son obeyed a human being because of the authority of God in a prophetic gesture, okay? So Elisha with the bow and arrows, this is not, a, this is not an archery lesson, Okay? This is, that's not what this is. <clears throat> this is a prophetic thing. That's why he says, okay, go get a bow and some arrows. We're going to do something here. He said, now put your hands on there. And then Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. He said, I'm going to empower you, son. In the next generation, you are going to be a deliverer for your nation, for your people. <clears throat> open the east window to that new day and shoot that arrow and he shoots it out. He says, great, you did it. He said, now take the rest of the arrows and strike the ground. And Joash doesn't get it. He still doesn't realize what's going on. He doesn't, he doesn't understand. So he just, he taps the ground three times. Like, what do you mean? Strike the ground. Okay, one, two, three. Goes through the motions. This is why Elisha gets angry with him. 
because he wasn't thinking prophetically, he wasn't thinking spiritually. He, was, he didn't have his heart open. He just, okay, we shot, the, we shot the thing out the window. And now, okay, all right, did it. Sometimes we go through the motions without actually paying attention to what God is saying, to what God is doing. This is why <clears throat> Elisha gets upset and said, don't you know that was a prophetic picture of the Lord's deliverance through his arrows? What are the arrows in scripture? The arrows are the children of one's youth. The arrows of your future. The arrows of direction. Arrows of destiny. So why'd you stop striking the ground? Why did you quit? Don't quit. Fathers hate when their kids become compulsive quitters. It's okay once in a while to back away from something that God's not in, that's for sure. But God doesn't want you to get in that routine, that habit of giving up, giving up, giving up, giving up, giving up. Why? Because he wants you to toughen up. A father corrects. That's part of the breaking the limitation. A father, Elisha corrected him. No, you should have done it this way. He wasn't being critical. He might have been grumpy, but he wasn't critical. He was grumpy because he was dying. And he knew this is my last thing. The last thing I want to do with this one we've raised up to be the king of Israel, a seed of David. A seed of David is on the throne. And this is my shot. And he doesn't see it. I want you to know, for those of you especially that weren't raised with a good father or a godly father, that correction is not rejection. Correction is not rejection, it's love. It's the way you correct. Even as a pastor, my shepherd's heart longs for you to live a truly blessed life. And that's what I'm gonna to talk to you about next week as we finish the series. Number three, <clears throat> the Father's love is about impartation to the next generation. There's no success without successors. The Bible says David served his own generation by the will of God. In other words, he wouldn't die until he had raised up Solomon in his place. He finished his, his course, raising up his generation and raising up the next generation. And then David said, okay, I'm ready to go. Impartation. There's no success without successors. There's no success without successors. One of the most tragic scriptures in the whole Bible is found in Judges when Joshua and all that generation that lived, Joshua died. The Bible says another generation arose who did not know the Lord nor the things he had done for Israel. There was a generation that grew up seeing God do miracles and never told their kids about it. It's a generation that saw the Red Sea parted and their grandkids didn't know that they'd seen it with their eyes. That water in a desert gushed out of a rock when the Bible says God, God gave a drink to his people from a rock, and the Bible says in the New Testament that rock was Christ, this wasn't like a little water fountain. This was water that, that gave plenty of water to three million people wandering in the desert with nothing. And the grandkids of those who saw it didn't know it. The Father's love is about impartation. <clears throat> I'm really happy. I told the people on Wednesday night, I want to invite you back for this Wednesday is really important. We have a big um, teaching this week. Our series is called End Times and Prophetic Destiny. We packed out the room the other night. I was really pleased with it. We had to be in the hub because stuff was going on here with the sound. And we began this thing. Now this Wednesday, we will have childcare. And I just wanna to say to you, 
this Wednesday is not child or youth friendly, okay? Bring them, but we're gonna have some t- a few minutes they can step out or whatever. We've got child care. Parents, just know it's PG-18. I know that's not a thing. <clears throat> but I think the church has become so naive to what's going on in the world right now. And we better wake up. So don't miss Wednesday night because I want to show you some stuff that will hopefully open your eyes. I do believe, as I said this past Wednesday, that the next generation of Christian musicians I've been seeing lately really seems solid. When we've had a generation where one after one has renounced their faith and said, well, I don't even really believe in that anymore. The new generation seems to be pretty solid because they've been mentored by people like Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant, some of the early pioneers of Christian rock, Christian pop back in the day. There seems to be a solid generation. I'm really excited about the music and the things going on right now. They seem to have been discipled. Number four, a father's love inspires you to get up every time you fall. Dads naturally seem to have a tendency to want to toughen up their kids, as I mentioned earlier. I don't know about you, but there was, you know, with my son and my daughter, there was a lot of wrestling, boxing, and pillow fights. The Bible says that Moses gets on the other side of the of crossing the Red Sea and sees the enemies wash up and, and Moses begins to sing a song about the father. And he says, he says, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, he's thrown into the sea. In other words, he killed my enemies right in front of me. He said, the Lord is God and I'll praise him. My father is God, I'll exalt him. For the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He brings that in the same passage when he says, Father, he says, Warrior. Why do you think sports is important to a lot of men? Not everybody. Because it's about that mental toughness, physical toughness, discipline, growth in areas where you need to grow. I love Psalm 144, verse 1. Bless me, the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer. God sees his loving kindness as he helps you to get toughened up, as he helps you to grow, as he helps you to learn that you're not a wimp, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things become new. No father wants to hear that any of his kids are getting bullied. Nobody. And though there's a lot of passivity in this world, our God is a warrior. And he's our father. And he always wins. Because he always stands up in the moments he needs to. Amen? Number five and last. A father's love is about redemption. In the story of the prodigal son, we see the true heart of our heavenly father as Jesus shares this parable about two brothers. And the one says, dad, I'm sick of this. Just give me my inheritance and let me go make my own life. And the father said, okay. Here it is. Here's your portion. As the wasteful son squandered his inheritance, the good father simply prayed from a distance and expectantly watched the horizon. I was thinking about back in the early days of our church as well. We had... um, we had some friends that we went, we had gone to church with years before and the wife had recommitted her life to Jesus and started coming to our church when we were down the road here 
called Spirit Life. And um, Bill and Sherry Gibson, dear friends of ours, and Bill was angry. Bill was, um, their daughter had gotten on drugs, gotten pulled away from the family, and Bill was mad. And he felt like God had let him down. And we had gone to minister to them and prayed with them. And we did a Christmas thing. The first Christmas of the church, we did an outreach at Lake Lillian in Bellevue. We were around that pond and Bill came out with Sherry. And I went up and I said, how you doing, Bill? He said, I'm not doing well. I said, oh, we've been praying for you. Are you ready to surrender to the Lord? He goes, nope. Not yet. And I said, oh, Bill, I have a special prayer I'd like to pray with you. I said, I call it a misery prayer. And I'm gonna pray that you get to the end of yourself real fast and find yourself in the hog pen of life. He goes, okay, pray for me. I promise you this is true. He said, pray for me. So I grabbed his hand on a cold December night and prayed for Bill Gibson that if he would continue to harden his heart, he would become so miserable that he would finally recognize his need for Jesus again in his life. He had known the Lord and walked away. <clears throat> they were church leaders in another church here years before. So when I prayed that prayer and said, Lord, make him miserable until he surrenders. And I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And Bill said, amen, which means so be it. Within a couple of weeks, I said to my wife last night, was it a couple of months? She said, I think it was shorter than that. Bill showed up at church in tears and cried out to God and said, I said, how you doing? He said, I'm miserable. I said, good. <laughs> See, the problem is sometimes as a, as a father, you're afraid to pray those prayers for your kids. I'm aware that some of you have prodigals and prodigal doesn't mean backslidden. Prodigal means waster, wasteful living. <clears throat> squandering potential, squandering calling and destiny. That's what prodigal means. I'm not saying wish your kids harm, no way. But I am saying don't be afraid to turn them over to God. Don't be afraid to pray pig pen prayers. That whatever their personal pig pen is where they will find themselves at the end of their own self, at the end of their own rope. You get a whole new perspective of the father's heart when you have children of your own. The father allowed both of his sons to choose their own way and he gives you and I choices too. Luke 15, 20, the passion translation is really cool. <clears throat> it says this, as the young boy, by the way, as a young man, this young man had wasted everything. You know, you can be real popular as long as you got money. When he runs out of money, he has no popularity left, okay? And he winds up working for a farmer. The Bible says he joined himself to a foreign citizen. When you're disconnected from your dad, you're gonna grope for a citizen. You're gonna grope for something else. So he joined himself to another farmer and he gives them the privilege of slopping the hogs for pay and he winds up eating the pig slop himself. And he has a thought, I could add a V8. <laughs> 10 people even remember that commercial. <clears throat> um, he goes, oh my gosh, my dad's servants, all of his employees, they wouldn't be out here like this guy is doing to me. They wouldn't leave, they, they wouldn't be out here eating pig slop because I'm starving. Even my dad's servants have it better off. He says, I know what I'll do. I'm gonna go home 
and he rehearses this speech. He says, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but I recognize that your servants have it better than I did. I'm sorry for what I've done. Let, just hire me as a servant because I'll know that you have a better life for me than I made for myself. And then look at what it says in the Passion Translation, verse 20. <clears throat> From a long distance away. Nobody in this room remembers long distance. Charges on the phone. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming. That means that he's watching. He's looking maybe every day. His father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. Imagine what it does to a father to see their child dressed in rags. Yet much of religion thinks that that's what we're supposed to do as well. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in the father's heart for his son who was returning home. Now watch this. Doesn't say that the young man saw his dad and ran to him. It says the father raced out to meet his son, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, no matter how he smelled. Doesn't say that in the Passion Translation, but you can imagine it. He just come from slopping hogs, dressed as a beggar, and dad hugs him and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe. I never saw that before. The Passion Translation brings it out. He didn't say, go get me a robe. He said, go get my best robe. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference. Yeah. Get my favorite robe. <laughs> and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. My friends, our God is a mighty redeemer. The robe represents righteousness. God cleansed him. God cleanses you and he cleanses me. The ring, he restored authority and the shoes in the armor of God, they're about the preparation of the gospel of peace, a life of peace. The word redeem literally means the action of gaining or regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Not only did this father not tell his son, well, let me tell you how much you wasted and how much you owe me. Yeah, I'll let you be a servant. He redeemed him. Repentance comes first, but redemption draws near. Your purchase clears something from a negative or disorderly state or condition and places it into order and positivity. It's the act of exchanging something bad to make it good or better. Talk more about that next week. My friend, no matter what you've done, you're never alone. You're never fatherless. Let's roll that video. I would just say, if you're going out up without a father, um, God's a restorer, he's a redeemer, and he wants you to be whole in that way. And I didn't realize that I was missing anything. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. But as I began to see fatherhood be um, lived out in the lives of my children through my husband, and even seeing my father-in-law father his family and his community, 
I began to see the value and see what God does through men and their covering and their role and their fathering, which was really powerful. I didn't know what I was missing, so um, God made me whole that way. Um, as I even got to see my kids grow up whole in a way that I never was because of the fathering that they received, the protection, the love shown in that way, um, the affection shown from men in the way that it's different from women. So uh, as God kept my children whole that way, he made me whole by being able to see it and being able to lean into him as God the Father. There is a hope and a peace that comes from the Heavenly Father that no earthly father can replace or fulfill. I would say to keep your eyes and your focus on Christ and live each day to its fullest. You're an overcomer. You're not a victim to circumstances. And everything that you go through, there is a mountaintop. And you just have to keep moving forward. And even though it might feel overwhelming or hard, there is a testimony that comes out of every circumstance. And I am living proof to that. Um, it wasn't always easy, but I am so thankful for the journey and the trials because it's led me to where I am today. And I would not replace that for anything in the world. What a compassionate father we have. Even when we've blown it, the word of God says his mercies are brand new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His compassion never fails. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we pray for you today? Whether you're in the room or at home. I don't know what you're struggling with, what's going on in your life, but I know this. You have a heavenly father that loves you just like you are who accepts you the moment you turn your heart toward home. The moment you recognize that though you've been away, that your life was better connected to God, covered by God, than you could ever make it on your own. Riches cannot satisfy. Material things can only make you happy for a moment till you want more. But one thing is certain, that the moment you recognize your need, you choose to run to the Father. He's running faster to you than you are to Him. All over this place and in people's living rooms and homes, wherever you are, this is the moment. Maybe you've been struggling in your life. Maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you've messed up so bad you know you're not worthy. But your value and worth was not established by what you did. But the Bible says it was established by God sending his own firstborn begotten son to a painful cross to take your punishment, to exchange your mess and give you his miracle. If you're here today, I invite you right now to come home to lift up your eyes toward your spiritual home and to say yes to the presence of your heavenly Father, to say yes to accepting his son Jesus as your redeemer. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance is here. Don't just take it in vain and strike the ground with it three times, but Give God a drum roll of your heart. Take the arrows of your life 
and bring them before a holy God and ask Him to bring you home. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person who's hearing the sound of my voice, every person who's struggling, every person who has been living a double life, who plays a church game on Sundays but wanders in the world the rest of the time. I ask you to bring healing. Lord, you said in your word that we are who you said we are. Would you show each person, individual, each family, your purpose, your plan, your calling, your destiny. Would you show them glimpses of who you called them to be in your great and faithful and compassionate love. Thank you for restoring today that robe of righteousness, that ring of authority, and those shoes of the peace of God that passes understanding. In Jesus' name. If you're here today or you're watching, I ask you to do one thing. We talk about prophetic gestures. That's why sometimes we say, lift your hand up if you want to know him. Lift your hand up and make yourself known. Jesus said, if you've Confess me before the Father. I'll confess you before him too. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, you'll never publicly acknowledge me. That's probably one of the reasons why water baptism is so important. We're gonna have that again in a few weeks. Water baptism is so important because it's that public statement to everybody. Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I'm not ashamed to say it in front of heaven and earth and the people in my life. If you're here today and you say, I need to come home, whatever that means to you, would you lift your hand up in the air, lift it up high and stand strong. I don't mean stand up on your feet, but stand with a hand raised and say, yes, I need Jesus right now. Hands are going up, maybe at home. Hands are going up, maybe at home. Lord, I pray for every person whose hand is raised, whose heart is open, that you'd reveal what it means to come home, to know you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to help you. We want to help you to live for God. If you got something today, would you just put your hands together and give Jesus a clap offering? You're never fatherless, amen? You're never fatherless. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.